So what we've been dealing with is is the brachot that are to be recited, and the Mishnah you said, you'll recall talked about brachot ha'ilan and brachot ha'aretz, and what happens if you instead of borei priyayet you say borei priyadama, and instead of borei priyadama you say borei priyayets. And then it said if you don't not know for sure which one, you can always say shehakol, which covers them all. So we're now dealing with shehakol first of all. Um, and um, we're going to deal a little bit with today with talking about again that some of the nusach of brachot and some of the changing of brachot, etc. So what we did last time, just to refresh your memory, was we began to talk about what the, the, the concept of what happens if he says it, there was a question about kita with wheat, was it borei priya aretz or borei priya dama, etc. And we had a discussion about that. And then at the top of the, of, of, on this list here, it says, okay? So you can say Sha'akol except for those two special brachot. Alayayin, of course, you say, and Alapat Hamotzi, right? For Rabbi Yochanan Afilu, even so, you can say Sha'akol for both of them. These are two Amoraim. Let's say that this is really a disagreement between two Natanaim, two people from the time of the Mishnah, that it's really an earlier argument. Person sees bread and said, He doesn't say, He says, How beautiful this bread is. Baruch HaMakom Shebra'ah Blessed be God who created it We began to talk last time about Nusach Brachot What happens about changing Brachot, etc. And I'll talk comment about this a little bit later As we finish this particular section According to this Fulfills the obligation Ra'ateina Ramar If you see a fig tree Kamanateina zo Baruch HaMakom Shebra'ah Yatsa So Rabbi Meir basically says what? What's what is the impact of Rabbi Meir's statement? It's the thought. Right, it's the thought. You don't have to use the exact words, you don't have to use actually Nusach Abracha, but you said how beautiful, thank God. If you can do that, you fulfilled your obligation. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Kola Mishanemi Matbea Shetavu Chachamim Bibrachot, Lo Yatsayde Chavato. Rabbi Yossi, I said last week, was a structuralist. The Bracha is the Bracha. You can't change the bracha. It is as it is. That was where we stopped last time. Okay, and we talked a little bit about changing brachot. And I said, uh, once we finish this particular section, I will come back and talk further about that because I did some some research over the last week. Now, we now have Amoraim, okay, Ravuna, who says you can say shakol except for bread and, and wine, and Rabbi Yochanan says you can say it for even both. And we say that's patterned on an earlier Tanaitic discussion that was between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. So the Talmud will now say, I will tell you how it's patterned after that earlier discussion. Okay? Nema. Let us say, therefore... And that's where we stopped last time. Okay? So that brings you up to the base as such where we were in, in, ter- in terms of the particular discussion. Somebody want to re- start reading today? Okay. 
Sorry, you're too slow. You're not too slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Can you enjoy it? No, no. No, no, no. Okay. Go. <laughs> okay, so what is Rav Huna? Let's hold that Rav Huna holds Karabiosi. What does Rav Huna say? Well, no, 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 he doesn't say it. What does Rabbi Huna, Rabbi, Rabbi Huna say? Except, which means for a certain brachot you must have the right bracha. And therefore, what does Rabbi Yossi say? If you make a change, you don't fulfill your obligation. So let's say Rav Huna follows Rabbi Yossi and... Go on. No, no, no. All right, and what does Rabbi Yochanan say? No, he doesn't say like Rabbi Meir. What does Rabbi Yochanan say? The Talmud is saying he says like Rabbi Meir. Shakol is for everything. Okay, and what does Rabbi Meir say? No, he doesn't say anything about Shakol. The, the just read the text. Just look in the book. It's right there. I'm not making it up. The words don't matter. The words don't matter. Look again. Rav Huna, there's a disagreement between Rav Huna and Rabbi Yochanan. And that's already in the Amoraic times. They say it follows the exact thinking of Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Me- according to Rabbi Meir, you don't need an exact formula. Who thinks like that? Rav Huna. Okay? So I'm sorry, who thinks like that? Rabbi Yochanan. You don't need Shakol no matter what. Rabbi Meir says, you, you don't need this. Rabbi Yossi says, no, you need an exact formula. Who holds by that? Rabbi Yochanan. Okay? Um, Rabbi Yochanan says, you know, that this case. So what you really have here is you have a statement of Rav Huna and Rabbi Yochanan that we think is a new disagreement. They come back and say, this is not a new disagreement. It's based on an earlier disagreement. And the thinking simply follows later into the discussion. Okay? It doesn't answer anything for us, but anytime you can prove that a later discussion is based on an earlier discussion, it means that it has precedent. It's an earlier discussion that makes sense, and an earlier discussion which must now flow. So now they're going to say, no, Rav Huna doesn't have to hold like this, and Rabbi Yochanan doesn't have to hold like that. That's all this is. It's a technical term. It's not Rav Huna said like Rabbi, uh, Rav Huna said like Rav Yossi. Rav Huna never knew Rabbi Yossi. They lived, one in Babylonia, one in, in Palestine, at different times. This is the editing of the Talmud to be able to put this together in a logical framework. That's all. No, you don't have an answer yet. You simply have, you, what you have now is this is an age-old argument that goes all the way back to the time of the Mishnah. That's all. I'm right. In some ways, you're correct, of course. Does Rav Huna say this? Uh, it says Amar Lach Rav Huna. Did Rav Huna say this? No. Absolutely not. He couldn't. 
This is the Talmud saying Rav Huna could say to you. No, to tell you the truth, I can also hold like Rabbi Meir. Why? <clears throat> okay, so what madkar is the only tough word? Take the dalid and make it a Zion. And you have Mazkir. To mention, exactly. Okay? I could hold even like Rabbi Meir. What did Rabbi Meir say ultimately? Rabbi Meir said, you can don't have to use the right words. Rav Huna seemed to say, you had to use the right words. Rabbi Meir doesn't have to hold that position there. Unless you have to be able to say that he wants to say, that he wants to say the exact blessing on a piece of bread. But with regard to something that's not like pot, like bread, what? And what does Rav Huna say? So, what, what, he, what, Rav Huna, what they're saying Rav Huna says is no, I don't have to follow this particular logic because even Rabbi Meir could agree with me in my case in every case except when he wants to mention pat which is something so important that you, when you say hamotzi it's a different bracha altogether but normally Rabbi Meir would hold exactly what I say which is what according to Rav Huna? Chutzmina patumina yayin Okay? Now, if you're Rabbi Yochanan what did the Talmud say? Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Meir. The Talmud comes back and says, no, Rabbi Yochanan could also hold just like Rabbi Yossi. They're not the equivalent. That's they're saying the, these cases are not equivalent. Adkan lokama Rabbi Yossi Hatam. Rabbi Yossi can only say what he says over there with regard to you must have the the proper brachot. It only holds in a place where you're making up a bracha, where it's not a, already a tikkun rabbanan. But. But Rabbi Yossi would say and agree that because Shakol Niyev Bidvaro is one that the rabbis had already made statutory, I could use that for everything. And therefore, what are we left with? Rav Huna, you can't now equate the disagreement between Rav Huna and Rav Yochanan to an earlier discussion of Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Meir. It's not an answer, but it's the structure of the Talmud to try to show you that later uh, disagreements or later rabbis are following the opinion of earlier ones. Because what's the rule? The earlier the argument, the closer you get to Sinai. And the closer you get to Sinai, the more authentic. Rather than showing disagreements all the way around, they have suggested 
that in later argument in Babylonia, in its principle, is ultimately based on an earlier argument in Palestine, and they now have said, no. You could, Rav Huna could hold both views, Rabbi Yochanan could hold both views, it's not necessarily in that realm of following one argument to the next. This is again simply the part of the dialectics of the Talmud and its methodology to, a bent, to, a, to basically show you that we try to stress what happens later is based on something earlier. And anytime you can get earlier, the best being of course a biblical verse, that is the most authentic. And yet they don't conclude with like a take-who. They don't, they don't conclude here. We're left with a disagreement between Rav Huna and Rabbi Yochanan. We're not finished with it yet. Okay? All they've said to us is we have a disagreement between two individuals in the Babylonian Talmud. One says you can say Shakol for everything, and one says you can say a Shakol ex except for those specific things as wine and bread. And we're back to step one. That's where we are right now. Now they're going to bring you examples of things that happened in, to try to substantiate one argument or the next. Okay, so Binyamin, a person named Binyamin, Raya, the Aleph is put the Aleph at the beginning to become a He, and you end up with Haro'eh. The shepherd, meaning an Amaris. He didn't really know everything. We're now we're now quoting a shepherd, which is not usual to say the least in the tome. Karach Rifta. What those of you who went to Ramah Yom Krichim was sandwiches. So and Rifta is bread. He put together a piece of bread and said. He's okay. He said it in Aramaic. Blessed be Murray, the, the Adon, the, the Lord, the High Pita, who created this Pita, this bread. He didn't say Amotzi Lechem in Arts, right? He's now made up, if you will, a new. This is like the shepherd and, and, and the, the whistler, right? The person who's now saying out of the good out of his heart, I don't know an exact bracha, but thank God I got this bread. That's right. So now we've got the right concept, which will refer us back to this whole dis this discussion of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. Amar Rav. Rav said, good enough. Good enough. Yatsayad dechovato. Good enough. Okay. Didn't we learn someplace else that Rav said, every t what, a bracha, what does a bracha have to have? Which is the shame of Forash. Okay, God's name. Barich Morei is not quite God's name. Okay, blessed be the Lord. Okay, it's not quite the same. You must, according to Rav, we now have the Amar. Ah, what's Rachamana? Harachum. Okay, the God, the merciful. That already is now. So that's what he really said. Okay, that's what he really said. Now, what are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with the beginning or the end, Bracha? 
Are we dealing with Hamotzi or not? When we read it originally, you'd think you'd be dealing with blessed be this bread, blessed be God who has this bread, right? Berkat Hamotzi. The Talmud says that's not what we're talking about. What does it say? It says Vahamar, and he ate it, and then And that, of course, means Birkat Hamazon. So this person, this was his Birkat Hamazon. Berich Marei Dahai Pita. Pretty short. Why do I just say this all the time for a short benching? There you go. Okay, we're going to come back to it. Good. We'll mention it when we come back to it. Okay? Bahabainan Shalosh Brachot. Mayatsa, the Kamarab, Nami. Yatsa, he fulfilled his obligation. He fulfilled his obligation of the first Bracha. What is the first Bracha? No. No, what's the first Bracha, Brakanamazon? So what's left? Two other brachot. I mean, just as simple, right? I mean, wow, he said the first brachot. It's like you learn in school, right? Where you, everybody can sing the first one, and what happens after that? Exactly. No comments. My kamashmalan. What's it going? To, what's it supposed to teach us? Okay, Afal Gav What does Lashon Chol really mean in this case? Common language. Not the structure of a bracha, but common language. Under those kind of conditions, we think that we have an answer that you can say, Baruch Rachmana, Brich Rachmana Mare Pita, good enough for Brichat Mazon, at least for the first one. That's what it kind of teaches us. But we have a problem. Okay, so there are things that have to be said in Hebrew. What has to be said in Hebrew, for instance? Everybody know? Hmm? No? So we say here, Shema isn't, doesn't have to be said in Hebrew. Aramea Vedovin, perhaps. That's Vidui Maser. So it said it doesn't have to be. Kohanim. Birkat Kohanim has to be said in Hebrew. Okay, Birkat Kohanim. So, Elon Amarim Bechol Lashon. Parshat Sota. What is Parshat Sota? You're going to read it next week. There's a whole, she has to read something. We know today that there was, a, in a sense, a tablet in the temple precincts, which they would bring out for the sota, if it ever happened, and she would read from there. And then she would drink the mayim mararim, the, the, the boiling water. Vidui maser. What's vidui maser? You're close, Merle. What's, what's vidui maser? But it's vidui. It's not. It's not maser. It's vidui maser. It means it's a confessional of the maser. So that's at the time you bring it to the temple. Yeah. No. If you read Arami Vi, once you finish that passage in in Kitavo, you then have lo achalti boni velo shachakti. A whole sense of I brought it. This is why I bring it because a wandering Aramean was my father, etc. Now I bring it, and then you confess. 
I didn't eat it improperly, I didn't do something wrong with it, etc. That's known as Vidui Matser. Okay, it's the section immediately after the Arami Oveda Vienkitavo, which you're familiar with from the Haggadah. Kriyatshma, pretty clear. Tvila, all those, according to this text, can be said Why? I would ask. God, God is mentioned for sure in Berkat Amazon, mentioned in in Shema Yisrael. People may not know well, people may not know Hebrew, okay, but then why why these specific ones? Because these are important mm. things to do. I would say more than important, because there's a lot of important things. Oh, there's a lot of required things for sure, right? I mean, you know, I could say talit, filin, right? They're personal statements. You have to take ownership of what you are saying. So if you don't understand it, how can you own what you are telling? Right. I, I, that's a good answer, I think. You have to understand what you're saying. The Sota has to know what she's doing before she readies to say, I understand what I'm doing, I think I'm innocent, I'm going to drink it. To be doing Maaser, you can't bring the Maaser and confess until you know what you have done. Kriyat Shema and Tefillah clearly are the, the main structures of Tefillah. And Birkat Amazon is added, and that's why we're reading it, of course, because Birkat Amazon is the gratitude for the food. I would suggest that these, you have to understand. Give me an example that you probably all do. I'll say it has to do with Pesach. I'll give you the hint that you can say before Lashon. The nullification. The nell, very good. The nullification. Because normally you say it in what language? Aramaic. Aramaic. So since it, and there's no bracha, right? And you say the bracha beforehand. But when you say everything that's in my possession, etc., etc., you did it in Aramaic. Why? Because that was the lingua franca when it was composed. So in my house, what we do is we do the we do the bdikat chametz, or then the biurcham, or the biur chametz the next day. I do the Aramaic, and usually one of my girls or somebody else reads it in English, so we know exactly what we're saying. Okay, so that's an example of it's not a it's not a bracha, but you have to know what you're saying because you're nullifying everything after you've gone through it. So the very fact that it's an Aramaic. Firsthand means that you could simply say it in the English. Then. Yes, you don't need to say it in the Aramaic. Correct, correct. It was to be able to understand it because that was the language that was understood when these things were composed. So, what what are we left with here? We said but we already learned that you can say meaning in another language. What language might that have been? Hmm? Aramaic. Aramaic or Greek. Greek. Huh? Those are the two major languages at that point. Okay? Two major languages at that point. And Rabbi Akiva and others felt those were inappropriate to use those languages because it led to the culture and everything. But if you don't know Hebrew, you're out, kind of thing. But those two languages were there. So the answer? Sorry? What about Kol Nidre? Kol Nidre again isn't a prayer. Kol Nidre is a formula, a formulaic formula of the annulment of vows that was done in the Middle Ages. There is more context in the in the Middle Ages up to really up to modern times of getting rid of Kol Nidre than anything else. Okay, than anything else, I'm convinced it stayed for only one reason: the Nusach. 
the Nusach. It has nothing to do with Yom Kippur. It has nothing to do with prayer. It has nothing to do with atonement. As said, suggested on Shabbat, it has to do with the words that words matter. Well, words matter all the time. Okay? But the Reform Movement got rid of it. It's back in the Reform Movement. But you find in the Middle Ages, the, the Rabbani were very much against Kul Nidre. And why was that? Because it's not a prayer. To begin the holiest day of the year in a language that you don't understand, in a form, formulaic concept of vows, that you had to, you, the only way you could uh, atone for vows and null them was to go personally in front of a bait dean of three, etc. What's symbolic here? So, what do we say it came from? Most of the, the, what you lear, learned in most cases? The Anusin, the Inquisition. Didn't come from there. It was a good excuse to be able to say these were the people who were there. and they, well, We have to say that today because of the people who were hiding it during the t that time. It's enormous controversy about Kol Nidre. What about marriage? What about marriage? What you say when you get married. Hare Atmikudeshit. I make sure the weddings that I do, they say both in Hebrew and in the English. So they know what they're saying. Okay. There, there's a few of them that have to be said in, in language I forget it's in Sota I forget exactly what it is some of them okay this isn't necessarily the case because they also say their Sota should be said in Hebrew because it was a tablet which read, they didn't read it in Greek um, but the Birkata Kohanim for sure has to be said in Hebrew okay I have to, I'd have to look it up that's a good question If I get a chance, I can look it up on here. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What was Rab really trying to teach us? Hani mili. That means the Amrab l'shon chol ki hechi detakinu rabbanan l'shon kodesh. That there is a formulaic thing in Lashon Kodesh, and the person recites it in Lashon Chol. But, Loam Rab Lashon Chol, Ki Hechidakinu Rabbanan Belashon Kodesh, Emolo. But we would normally say when they really formulate it as such, no, Kamashmalan, Rab basically says that um, not only is it, is it important to do it in that language, you don't have to do it in that kind of formulaic sense. Okay. Therefore, Rab, what would Rab say? Yatsa, you fulfilled your obligation, even though you said in lashon chol, which was Aramaic, and you didn't do it in the sense that the rabbi said, which was you know, azanet and the rest of Birkat Amazon. Okay. So that's why we needed all of this. Let's keep going. Again, Amar Rab. Okay. This he's consistent in all these things. <laughs> now, what does Rab say? You have to mention God's name. He doesn't say it's a formula, but you must mention God's name. And that's what we learned from above. Rabbi Yochanan goes further. There must be Malchut. What is Malchut? Melech. Okay, Ha'olam. Those are the two things, according to Rabbi Yochan, are, are saying. Okay, Abaye says the following: Rav, Rav's view is 
that makes the most sense. I would follow Rob's view. Why? Merle, this is this is the Vidui Maser. Okay, after you've done all those things, this is really Maser, I brought it properly, please accept it. What does that mean? I have not, in a sense, gone against blessing you. And I not I've not forgotten as such to remember your name. But it doesn't say that you need malchut, right? Umalchut ha'alav. In other words, not only you mention your name, but every time you say Hashem Melech Haolam, it kind of follows due. So we've got this question, and we're going to look at the at the in a second at the um, um, at the halacha of the nusach of the bracha, which we talked a little bit last time. What can you say and what can you change halachically? Okay, so let's look at the top of the Ionim in the second column, Mishanemi Matbea Chachamim. The Rambam basically says that you don't need the statutory formula. As long as you mention shame umalchut, it's good enough. You don't have to say it exactly as the rabbis had it. And that holds both for Hebrew and other languages? That's, we don't have that yet. He, say, he, doesn't, he doesn't answer that question right now. We'll have that. Go ahead. So if you say Baruch Rahmana Mare Dahai Pita, you fulfill your Kramotzi, and you can also use it for the first Bracha Birkat Amazon. We'll come back to your dad's concept in a moment. Okay, so it says you can say the blessing in any language, but ah, but it must be an exact translation of the rabbinic statement. Okay, now anytime you do translation, it's interpretation. We understand that, but it's in other words, it's not blessed be this bread. Or blessed God who was this bread. You want to say blessed be God who get from the etc. etc. It's a different story. So that's how the Rambam takes it at least. Finally. Mm-hmm. You follow Rabbi Yochanan rather than Rav, which is we must say we must say Shemu Malchut. So. What, what we're left here is the question I raised this last time the creation of new brachot are you allowed to create new brachot under what condition is there a statutory need etc so I'll try to spend a little time to try to see what I could find yesterday I was in Spurtis library because I was teaching at Spurtis and I picked up Sidur Sha'ar Zahav 
Shar Zahav was, is, was in, published in 2009 by Congregation Shar Zahav in San Francisco, California. Anybody ever hear of Shar Zahav? Well, Golden Gate. The Golden Gate. But what kind of, does anybody know what kind of synagogue it is? For gays and lesbians is what it was in its day. It's one of the first ones established. And it's very open in its things. A lot of it is in English. But as I, I went through some of the brachot, some of them are really rather fascinating. Um, so here's here's uh, lighting of Shabbat candles. Baruch Hashem shel Shabbat. You've heard that I think before. <laughs> Feminine language. Brucha at ya hashchina tiferata olam asher kid shatanu b'mitzvoteha. Vitziv Tanu Lahadlik Ner Shel Shabbat. Shame of Malchut? Totally feminine. Communal language. Nivarechet Be'er Hachayim, Yotzeret Ha'olam, Notenedet Yecholet Hakdusha Lahasot Mitzvah, Lahadlik Ner Shel Shabbat. Which they translate as Let us bless the well of life, creator of the universe who enables us to attain holiness by answering the call to kindle the Shabbat lights. Okay? So now, what have we changed? What nevarech? Baruch. Be'er ha'chayim yotzeret ha'olam is now God creator of the universe. Notenet et ha'yecholet ha'kedusha who enables us to attain holiness. La'asot mitzvah. Okay? I, again, I, I'm just quoting. You know, is that a legitimate bracha? Shame, malchut. I guess to some extent. What is it a bracha levatel? Well, that's the question. Okay. They have a whole page. Oh, let's do this one first. So it is. It is rather interesting that when you come to certain brachot, there are there when you come to certain actions. There are no brachot. Like giving tzedakah. There's no bracha for giving tzedakah. What about milu chasadim? There's no bracha. Right? Because the, because Be the man is doing it. It's not the well, but, but wh where do you get the ability to give money from? You could say, Asher natan li kesef. Alright? Lachil et arevim. I don't know, I'm just making it. Alright? You could say, because otherwise, where does where does the monetary value come to you? You're blessed with it. If everything comes from God, everything comes from God. So they actually have here um, a bracha. Baruch ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotav Sounds familiar. Vitzivanu Lirdof Sedek Who has commanded us to pursue justice. Now, I don't know when you do that. Is that when you go out to march? When you go out to protest? <coughs> when you do an act of righteousness? Who is to define that righteousness? Is it in the eye of the beholder? What happens if righteousness is for you not the same? Lighting candles is pretty clear. Eating bread is pretty clear. You know, not everybody, I'm afraid, agreed with the, the Alperts in their march, I have a feeling, that that 
to you that was Sedek. Okay? You were clear about that. But I'm sure there are some Jews somewhere, some unnamed somewhere, who said, that's not Sedek. That's just wrong thinking. Right? I mean, I'm not being critical, but I'm just being realistic. How do you define Sedek? Is it in the eyes of the beholder? Is it everybody agrees, you know, giving food to the hungry? Everybody agrees to that. Okay? Is that, is that Sedek? I don't know. So I found the bracha very easy, very interesting. Okay, it's a totally new bracha. There's no classic form to it. There's a classic, I should say, it's a classic form, but there's no any real history to it. And it says, I say, we don't do it on those kinds of things. And yet, interestingly enough, okay, so it, it, all it says is for social action. Okay. So you could substitute Siddiq and put in Siddhaqah, and that would give you a bracha. I guess, Virtivanu wouldn't say, like, I would say, like, Tate Staka, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. To give Staka. But again, you know, we teach our kids from a very. We learned all of us, you know, those of us old enough. You start, well, you, you came to Hebrew school, you put some pennies in the pushka, you put it into the blue and white box, you put in whatever, okay? Now we learned that right from our parents, right? There was no bracha involved. Okay, what, what did we many of our mothers do, or maybe you do too, right before you light candles? You put some money in the tzedakah. Interesting enough, there's no bracha. Okay, is it because it's kind of just expected? Is it, uh, I, I'm, you know, postulating, I don't know. Yeah, Marcy. I actually think that because there's no bracha for a lot of these acts of community chassadim, some of our younger generation are struggling with seeing some of that is Jewish acts as opposed to universalist good acts. And that hmm. might be, like we encourage them to pause before they eat to remember God in a Jewish way, or we to be able to create something to cause them to pause before they get to that kind of see it as a Jewish act, it may hold deeper as a Jewish act. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, Interesting. I think a lot, in, the, in my experience, that generation is struggling with yeah, I, I would say for sure with regard to tzedek. I mean, how do you define tzedek? The particular, because this concept of I wrote about it, so it's it's, it's published uh, on tikkun olam. But um, in a book on tikkun olam that I wrote, is it particular or universal? Okay. Yeah. No. No. Right. Too. Um, I'm thinking about the um, any bringing peace to the world. Shalom. And I know biblically people used to share meals. And you can sort of like do some commentaries on that, but you say brachot before you share meals, and that's creating peace. But anything ever done when two. I, I don't know. You know, we say oseh shalom or oseh hashalom, of arekadamois, bashalom, etc. But I don't know any table fellowship, which we've talked about before, and, and, and brachot there with regard to peace. I, you know, again, I, I, the, odds are there were there may have been some brachot that fell into disuse. Okay, that that uh, there, and there are some new called uh, of minagir Israel, etc. That that of customs in Israel that there were some brachot that kind of just didn't make the cut. People didn't use them, say them, etc. Um, so, but when you think about it, there are some things that gee, they're dot or not or whatever the case may be. Hmm. 
not not you know not statutory. So if you decide to say it, the question is to going back to your question, is it well we're making a brachot because this allows God to be brought into the world, or is a bracha levatala? Is it using God's name inappropriately because who are you to make up blessings? Okay, who you're smarter than the rabbis? This is what's going on in in today's religious spiritual world. It just occurs to me that all the brachot have to do what God has given to us. And if you make a bracha of what you're giving, it's different. It's in a, a separate category. All right. Nice. I'm late to Okay. Thank you. We don't make a bracha when we read the Magid. Going back to Pesach. Right. And I've heard a bunch of different uh, rationales for it. Does that apply maybe to the tzedakah? Some of those rationales. It's like we're supposed it's to do it. It's, it's a, a history. It's a, yeah. Well, it's a history lesson. Um, it, what would it be? Hagid at Sipura Pesach. I don't know exactly what we would say. You know that no, kind of thing either. But we're commanded to tell our children the story. So. Right. So we are commanded to tell our children the story. Correct. So the, the question becomes: At what point the rabbis decided is you know how many brachot are you supposed to say during the day? You're supposed to say a hundred brachot. Okay, and when you come down to it, if you say if you say all psuke de zimra, berkat shachar, and all that, you've got you've already got a good number already. And if you're eating, etc., it means a lot to recognize the gratitude. Okay, so the question becomes: Are there things where hmm, you should pause for a moment to go back to a Mars? He said and say, you know, this is really a gift. Okay, you know that this is something that's that's really interesting. So here's one that. You may not have thought of. For transgender transitioning from the Sidur, that's why I said. Before the transition. Baruch Ata Hashem Alokenu Melech HaOlam Hamaavir Et HaOvrim. Ruler of time and space, the transforming one to those who transition or transform or cross over. They have three different translations. To be recited afterwards. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Shasani Bitzalmo Kirtzona Which is both masculine and feminine. Bless you, eternal God, our ruler, ruler of time and space, who has made me in His image and according to her will. And then Shechianu. Okay, now, I don't know of a bracha in normative Judaism for this kind of thing. Okay? We, we, we know that, I mean, the Talmud talks about you know, uh, hermaphrodites and those kinds of things and becoming one sex rather than two sex, etc. But it doesn't talk about brachot in those cases. This is the first time I've seen who kind of causes the person who's transforming to make that step, if you will. And then the, the, really the fascinating language Sani Bitsalmo Kirtsona who has made me in his image according to her will. And I would presume that it, it doesn't say whether it's male, female, one person or the next of, of the transitioning. Is there a bracha before or after other surgery? The no, there's no bracha before surgery. You're not doing it. You know, you you, uh, you you know, there's a bracha after if you can obviously have gomel. Yeah, right. Thankfully, but there's no no. 
No. Okay? And, and I don't know what transition means in this case, to be very honest. Transition today is very amorphous. This was written, I said, in 2009, I thought it was, what did I say? 2009. Even from 2009 to 2018, the concept of transitioning and transforming has changed, and the, inter the, is the, the issue of gender fluidity and, and boundaries is not even the same nine years later. So I don't know what it exactly means. Does that mean you have to go through some sort of identity, or is it transitional surgery, or there's no explanation. It's a before it's recited before any any moment of transition to be recited afterwards. No, no, the Hebrew is very fascinating. Oh no, no, no. This is, I'm not complaining the Hebrew. In fact, the Hebrew is very fascinating to those who are sensitive to it. Um, but it's really fascinating of what they picked. So is a surgeon supposed to say anything before he begins? He should begins. There's no, there, you know, I, they, I would say there are there are surgeons who, you know, you know, pray. Uh, pray there's no formulaic thing, right? Should ask your dad, you know, as a doctor, you know, we, there's no formulaic thing, but you know, the surgeons clearly have your body in their hands. Uh, sometimes, you know, anything can happen at any time, of course, but some obviously at very critical moments. What? We have a traveler's prayer. Yeah, you have a traveler's prayer, but that's not the no, same no, thing. Saying, <coughs> okay. Circumstances where we say things that have to really fulfill what you have here. Right. Well, that this is this is right. So so this talks about you know the shame of malchut, but it's not matbea shetiknu rabbanan. It's not the statutory prayers that the rabbis picked. So the question is today: Who are the rabbis, and what is statutory prayer? Okay, because this is shame of Malchut. This is it says you have to say shame of Malchut. If you got you know God's name and Hamelach, it's here. Whether it's Hamelach or Hamelucha, in some cases, whatever the case may be. But if you live in a country that has no rabbinic structure, let's say like England or like France, where you have a chief rabbi, well, but that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean any kind of. So it's right on my desk. Thank you. If if any kind of a renewal statement, then I'm looking for the chief rabbis anyhow. Okay. Okay. That's my. So you know, in, in renewal synagogues, they're not looking for what the chief rabbinate would say in, in X case. So that's a question of what came first. If you grow up in a country where you don't have that point of respect or authority, then you become like we are. The renewal movement doesn't care. Um, I, I think it's I think it's it's more complex than that than just the, the chief rabbi and that. I think it, they, they feel that there's a a need to lehit chadesh, okay, to, to use the Rav Cook's time concepts. All right, The new will become the old will become new, and the new will become sanctified. I think that's more of their concept. We have all sorts of statutory prayer. Okay. And Hallel is statutory prayer. Why do we recite a bracha before Hallel but not in other cases? I always bother by that. Well, there's questions sometimes about the bracha on Hallel. For instance, when don't we recite a bracha on Hallel? Pesach. Okay, you recite all of Hallel's in the evening, but you don't say a bracha. Okay, so it shows you that there were discussions of when it was considered to be appropriate. Um, 
for a long time, Yom Atzmaut or Yom Yerushalayim, do you, is it, you'd go around and say, I'm going to say it hello, with a bracha or without a bracha. Most people, they will do it with a bracha, but there was a long discussion in the Orthodox movement of whether you do it with a bracha or without a bracha. So I, I would say that in, in, in this case, what we recognize is it's not just psalms like Psuche de Zimra, which are just basically psalms. This is for a specific occasion of commemoration of a significant day. And therefore, it was des- they felt it was deserving of bracha. But again, it's interesting that there is no bracha on Pesach, though you recite all of Hallel. And there is a tradition in some synagogues in the Spartac world that they recite Hallel at the synagogue even before they get home for Pesach. And there's a question of whether they recited with a bracha or not. In most cases, not. Um, I know there's been some discussions in schools about overusing Shekhinah. Yeah. Like when you lose a tooth. <laughs> this is part of yeah recognizing God and right. Right. And how, how do you feel about what would your answer be? I think again anything that's overused becomes whole, becomes almost profane. It's like yeah, it's a Shekhianu moment. <laughs> All right, a Shekhianu moment. Even even it was a, even Netanyahu said Shekhianu yesterday. Okay, at, at the uh, at the inauguration of the of the embassy. So, I, I think there are places for it, but if anything becomes so overused, it becomes almost trite, and that's the the gamble. So, uh, losing a tooth is not something that that I would say shachianu for. You get the money; it's a different story. You know? <laughs> yeah, my, my granddaughter lost two teeth; she got what she got. So, that's a different story. But you know. Um, I, I think it becomes strife. What? Well, the shkalim. I thought she was going to get pesos, but she got shkalim. So, um, so I, I think I think Betsy, you have to be careful. I, I think not everything's a shechianu moment, because then everything is a shechianu moment. Finally, to refer to uh, Mike's dad of a shalom, they have here grace after meals. Brich Rahmana Malka de Alma Mare Dahai Pita. Translated as Blessed is the compassionate one, ruler of the world, who created this bread. And in a note, this short grace after meals is in Aramaic. The text comes from the Talmud, Rachat forty B, and may be said in the place of the longer Hebrew Birkatamazon. You know that that's not exactly correct. What do you need to do as well? The other two brachot. Okay, remember the, the, what do people say. Brachamazon. What, what when if you want to play around, what do you say? Yea, God, thanks for the grub. Okay, not quite the same thing, but the same thing. So this is what your dad said. And what do we have in our case? They put it in the Malka because this is the kind of Sidur it is. Mari is, fe- is masculine, Malka obviously is feminine. Okay? So I, I thought it interesting, as I said, I was looking, trying to do a little bit of search and couldn't find some Brachot, and then as I say, I went to the Spurtis Library yesterday, it would um, be just before my class, and I found the Sidur. A lot of it was English, so I, I didn't want to show you know, some of the English stuff. But I picked up these three, exa- four examples, both because it substantiated something that we've studied, and also raised the question for you: What is matbeah 
the, the Rabbanan, what brachot are there, and in this new world in which we're living, could there, should there, must there be new brachot? Well, the rabbis would come say, what you need is to show gratitude. And so showing gratitude when you eat bread is hamotzi lechem in aretz, But I think these new prayers are saying that, that our needs have evolved. Maybe. I think, and again, the issue is kevan kavana. Right. Okay, so right. keva means there are certain blessings you say because otherwise you're not going to do it. Right. And if the, you know, or is it when the spirit, when the spirit moves me? You know, is it good enough when the spirit moves me? That's the, you know, the challenge of tefillah in general. I think it's also the challenge of brachot. Okay? You know, you get the Christians, let's pray on this moment. It's not really our thing. So, you know, when you go to interfaith issue, at times they say, Rabbi, please give the opening prayer. It's not quite the same thing. I can do it. Okay? But Christians have an, you know, a formulaic kind of thing, which is what they do. We do grace afterwards. We don't do grace beforehand. So it's very, and we don't bless the wine or bless, Rabbi, please bless the bread. Now, the person normally asks that, of course, is the disc jockey at a bar mitzvah, right? <laughs> the grandparents are coming up now, yay, to bless the wine. Oh, God, drives me nuts. Okay? So, we have to be careful with our language. It seems to me that there are two, two different, very large issues here. The one is the language. So the, 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 Last comment. The changing of the masculine to the feminine. That, that I think one could say is, you know, there's shkina. I mean, there, there are, one, there are least, uh, enough um, sources to say changing masculine to feminine. I know, that's in the same line as right. the conservative movement that's made changes in the sador right. and drops stuff that we think is no longer. Yeah, I would say that would be appropriate. Yeah, right. Versus the totally new. Totally versus the totally new. Totally versus the totally new. Situation where there were. Right, where, where there was none before and we've created. But new. Then, but that's in the same line as Yom Hatzmayot. Yeah, I'm saying it's yeah. it's a it's a constant issue. Yeah. All right, so we didn't do too much of the text, but I thought this issue that we started last time would be interesting for you. We'll continue next week. Thank you. We'll see you. I hope everybody on Shavuot.